This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on. Welcome to Sex and Science Hour. Oh, this is great. I'm so excited to be there. Here. (laughs) You're there everywhere. This is our first show, and we're so glad that you've joined us today. I am, of course, Dr. Stephanie Murphy, and I've got with me Brian Sovereign, the golden stallion of the tech world, as we call him on his other podcast, Sovereign Tech. (laughs) And uh, we're starting up a brand new show. And what better way to get people to download our podcast than to put sex in the name of it That's oh it's an kind easy of a time-tested way. trick isn't it that's right yeah you put sex in it and i mean sex sells right and so you, you put that in and people are just gonna be all over it <laughs> yeah exactly but we are going to actually talk about sex right i mean that's why i'm here we are going to talk about sex and science and technology Oh, fantastic. It's, yeah, the, the point of the show is to be entertaining, and it's going to be a short show, so we're going to do our best to move really quickly with the content. Right. Uh, just want to add a quick note before we start. We are part of the Let's Talk Bitcoin network of podcasts, so very glad to be on the Let's Talk Bitcoin network. And we have a website, right? Sexandsciencehour.com. Yeah, it's, where you can look everything up. And- it's barely a website at the moment, but you know, yeah. keep checking back. I'm sure it'll develop as time goes on. <laughs> it'll grow with the show. It will grow. And the, the network. <laughs> and we also have an email address and we are going to have a listener email segment. So if you want to ask us relationship questions or send us t- story tips about sex and science uh, or technology or Bitcoin or what, whatever you want, you can email us at show at sex and science dot com. Yeah. Awesome. OK, so let's get right into the content. Brian, did you know that if you want to. 3D print an organ. This is now uh, scarily close to being possible. Not really scary, actually. This isn't like a scary yeah, this technology. Yeah, feels very exciting. I gotta know more. Yeah, definitely. So there has been apparently a little bit of a scientific breakthrough this week where a scientist discovered kind of by accident, like a lot of scientific discoveries happen this way, just serendipitously. Kind of like an apple falling on someone's head. Yes, indeed. <laughs> kind of like that. <laughs> Except this time, some blood cells fell into an acid bath, a tube of acid. <laughs> well, that's almost as good as discovering gravity, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, it seems a little strange, but apparently the scientists just kind of discovered by accident that if you put um, just regular blood cells from an adult into an acid bath, they can become pluripotent, which means they can become stem cells that can become other types of tissues. Okay, now I'm wrong. It blows away gravity. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, well, the reason this is really cool is because, you know, if you have stem cells that can become different types of tissues and you can get those from an adult's blood, that means that you could basically give a blood sample and then use that to print, uh, 3D print a new organ, potentially. So I could go to the Red Cross or, you know, donate blood and that could get turned into eventually an, or, uh, yeah, an organ skip of some kind. the red cross they kind of discriminate against gay people but uh good point <laughs> you could probably do that so at this a doesn't work office. on gay blood it works on gay blood oh okay <laughs> <laughs> and yeah i mean you could probably do this at a regular doctor's office or hospital or maybe you could even do that in, in your own lab in your own home or something wait, like wait, it doesn't have to be a doctor wait a minute does it work on bisexual blood there's only one way to find out Really, we're gonna have and to we're find gonna have out. to try it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> For science. For science, indeed. So, yeah, I mean, it's a little more complicated than that, obviously, but this is basically makes it a lot easier to turn an adult's blood into potentially stem cells that could be used to make other tissues. This is kind of like one of the holy grails of medicine recently, where everybody's been trying to figure out a really easy way to make stem cells out of an adult's, uh, out of some tissue that an adult can spare, you know, like like a sample of blood or or skin or whatever. Well, you know, a lot of people, you know, they'll ask me a lot of times, uh, what's besides Bitcoin, what's the biggest thing going on in technology right now? And I think it's 3D printing. I think mm. they're, you know, in fact, they may be equidistant in importance. Yeah, I'm really excited about the biomedical uses for 3D printing. Like there was a guy who had a skull injury and he lost part of his skull and they actually 3D printed a scaffold and 
took some of his bone stem cells and they like kind of grew into the scaffold over time. So it was able to replace this weird shaped piece of bone. And I think we could do that, you know, pretty easily now. Like it seems like the technology is almost there to be able to print um, pieces of bones and even large patches of skin potentially. Sure. Or at least like temporary patches that could kind of turn into skin as your skin grows into it, you know, for a burn victim or something like that. So I think it's really cool. And I'm I'm excited about what we'll be able to 3D print. You know, maybe eyes and ears are next or hearts or something like that. So if you sell on local Bitcoins, you might be a felon. For selling on local Bitcoins. Unfortunately. What happened this week was there were a couple of people who were doing trades on local bitcoins which is a website that lets you meet people to buy to be able to buy and sell bitcoins in your local area i mean were they meeting hookers what was going on here <laughs> no they weren't but almost as bad they were meeting uh, undercover federal agents <laughs> oh well, <laughs> all right so they're Actually, government that's hookers worse. then <laughs> that's way worse yes <laughs> i have nothing against hookers <laughs> no i have nothing against them either please <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh yeah these guys apparently got entrapped basically they got caught in sting operations where there were um government agents and actually maybe they weren't federal i think they might have been belonged to the state of florida where they were charged but basically these guys did deals with the bitcoin sellers on local bitcoins and they said yeah i'd like to buy these bitcoins from you and by the way i'm going to be using them to uh, go on the silk go on tour and buy a bunch of stolen credit card numbers you still want to sell them to me right and, you know, unfortunately, the sellers didn't pick up on that, and they got charged with money laundering, and apparently, the thing that I learned when I was reading about this was, there's a law in Florida that says you can't exchange more than $300 worth of currency in a year, or you are operating as an unlicensed money transmitter, which is at least a low-grade felony. So these laws are designed so that everybody breaks them. And of course, there's this book out there called Three Felonies a Day. Right, which, which essentially is, says that everybody commits at least three felonies a day. Yeah, and it's not hard to do that with a law like that. But probably every state has some law like that where you can't, you, you know, you can't exchange more than $300, $500 worth of currency in a year. That's crazy. I mean, if you bought somebody's unused gift card or something like that, that would probably be considered breaking that law. If your friend visits from Canada and you exchange dollars for the Canadian dollars, that would probably be breaking that law. Um, it's just they're written so that everybody is a criminal. And I think it's really important to draw a distinction between just the simple act of moving money around or exchanging one type of money for a different type of money uh, and just really distinguish that from an actual crime, because to me, a crime has a victim, you know, someone who gets hurt by by an action and the act of moving money around uh, really doesn't hurt anybody. Yeah. And, and it doesn't make any sense because like you can send money via Gmail very, very simply. And Bitcoin works under essentially the same principles, just I guess they didn't, you know, local Bitcoins or the person who's selling the Bitcoins didn't jump through all the hoops. How do you send money through Gmail? Oh, it works kind of like PayPal. Uh, the, oh, are you the, talking about like Google Wallet or something? Not exactly. It's it's off to the side on Gmail, and you can just put, you know, send money. It's it's an option. It's been there for about a year. Uh, wow, I had no idea about that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, okay. it's, it's pretty easy, but that's the point is that, okay, so one person went through the hoops and the other didn't. So the action itself, there's nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just because you didn't you didn't pay the piper. It's because you you know you didn't pay homage to, uh, you know to to your overlords. Uh, that, that. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's you didn't ask for the right permission slip or license or whatever, and government wants everybody to ask their permission to do anything. Right. <laughs> and people who are going on local bitcoins and doing bitcoin transactions, by and large, they're not bad guys. They're not hurting anybody. Right. And they're certainly not hurting anybody simply by changing bitcoins and dollars into one another. But they're taking such a risk because that's considered a criminalized act. You know, I saw an article today saying uh, money laundering is the new thought crime. And that's really what it is. Yeah, I, I agree. And really, the takeaway to, for me with this story is that if you're doing a local Bitcoin transaction, because you're not going to stop people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Russia banned 
the, the transmission of Bitcoin and so what? People are going to do it anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, that's pretty silly. <laughs> yeah, you know, but the takeaway here is that if you are doing a local Bitcoin transaction and the person starts telling you, yeah, I'm going to go on Silk Road later tonight with this and all that, just run away. Don't offer them the Bitcoins. Go. Yeah, you got to protect yourself. And I mean, even going on the Silk Road and buying drugs for personal consumption, talk about another non-crime, you know. Oh, absolutely. It's not what I'm interested in doing, but I don't see anyone being hurt there. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, so this is pretty important, you know, to, to learn about. And I think I think the government is trying to make examples out of certain people. I mean, that's why these laws exist. Well, that just says to me that when something is starting to get a lot of traction, it's getting mm-hmm. really successful, like Bitcoin, we're, we're in the Gandhi scale now, right? Gandhi said first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, and then you win. Now we're at the fighting point with Bitcoin, Right. it sounds like. So just something to be aware of. Everybody, please be careful out there. Don't uh, don't believe Agent Smith when he tells you uh, he's looking for a <laughs> he's looking for a way to change a million dollars into Bitcoin. No questions asked. Yeah. Or, or, <laughs> or whatever he wants the hookup. Anyway, and speaking of hookups, um, Brian, I don't know who this celebrity is, but there was a celebrity who was on a radio show recently. Her name's Lauren Conrad. Apparently, she has a popular website. Okay. And she was on, I guess she was on some radio show and somebody asked her, what's your favorite position? And they were, it sounds like they were talking about a sex position, right? And Uh, I see she got asked this question and she gave a pretty clever response. She said, CEO. Wait a minute. She's a woman. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And she's saying she wants to be a CEO. (laughs) Well, yes. uh, Hold on. No, no. Get back in the kitchen there, little (laughs) missy. What do you think this is, America? (laughs) Obviously, you're joking. Obviously. (laughs) (laughs) But she said CEO. And, you know, like, that's great. It's a very clever response. I almost want to steal it. But the the way this was written about, like, everyone was kind of saying, you go, girl. Like, yeah, this is this is great that she totally like stuffed it back in their face. And she's she don't need no man. She's an independent woman. (laughs) And like if she I don't know, I kind of feel like that's missing the point a little bit. Like, sure, if if she would have heard that question and been fine with it and said, oh, yeah, I like doggy style. Right. That would have been fine, too. If that was what her comfort level was. Right. Like, she she has the choice to respond to that in any way she wants but to like kind of over the top praise her for saying ceo it's almost like saying that you know you can't like you can't be taken seriously in business and also enjoy sex or something like that yeah i had heard about this and you know i I gotta admit the internet's like talking about it i don't know why they're yeah, there's I, a lot of important stuff going on that's not this, which <laughs> yeah, well, but but even then, you know, the idea that uh, you should be paying it attention to other things, uh, I don't know, value subjective. So whatever is important to you is important fair enough, to you. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, like I, I think I think powerful women are sexy, but no one's talking about that because it seems like everybody's just terrified of mentioning sex in this whole situation and that somehow it was so offensive to be asked you know what uh what exactly you know what is your favorite position someone asked me that i wouldn't be offended quite frankly even if it was out of the blue now of course if you are uncomfortable it might be hard to choose i mean oh yeah it'd be very hard to choose <laughs> how could you <laughs> but, pick just one right? right but I, but i mean like that that's one of the points of like feminism which i think a lot of people latched on to this mm-hmm. you know for that is that you get beyond this point to where a woman can talk about whatever the hell she wants to talk exactly, about. Exactly, exactly. I think there are lots of people who heard this and thought, well, you know, she's being, she, she's a feminist because she's saying that she wants to be the CEO and she turned that question on its head. And really, when we get to true gender equality, mm-hmm. any answer to that question would, would be okay. Right. It would be okay whether she said CEO or whether she said doggy, you know? Right. As long as it was her genuine choice. Yeah, and and it's it's important I think to to delineate or to differentiate between equality and equal worth. Mm-hmm. Those are those are two very different things. Yeah. Okay. And equal worth is what actually people are kind of going for. And that equal worth means is that women can talk to each other and talk about, "Hey, 
what's our actual favorite position? It's okay to talk about that. It was almost it was almost shaming in that boy, if a woman talked openly about sex and not about rising to the top, yeah, then she's she setting did all women wrong. back. Yeah. yeah, no, not at all. No. Anyway, sounds like we still have a long way to go. <laughs> we do, but that's all right. That's why we're here. Exactly. Sex and Science Hour. <laughs> and there is more coming up here on Sex and Science Hour. Stay tuned. Hey, Brian, what's that funny sticker over your laptop webcam? I was trying to spy on you while you were in the shower, but now I can't. See, that's why I have it. And it's from EFF.org. EFF? What's that? It's the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Totally donor-funded organization that fights for internet freedom, privacy. Wow, that sounds great. So EFF.org, I support internet freedom and privacy, and maybe you do too. Yeah, and you can support them with Bitcoin. The Electronic Frontier Foundation at EFF.org. Sex and Science Hour is part of the Let's Talk Bitcoin network, and we are so excited. Wait, wait, wait a minute. What's Bitcoin? What's Bitcoin? What's Bitcoin? Well, you'll have to listen to Let's Talk Bitcoin to find out. It's a twice-weekly podcast, and you can find it at letstalkbitcoin.com. Okay, I gotta know. Yeah, you really should probably get on that. It has a whole network? Yeah, we're part of it. How did I not know about this? You must have missed the memo that we were on their network. Anyway, now back to Sex and Science Hour. Welcome back to Sex and Science Hour. We have some interesting stuff to talk about in this second segment of the we, program. And hopefully you, we'll always have interesting stuff to talk about. Yes, we, we do hope so. <laughs> but I want to just put in a quick plug for our email address, too, because I think as the show matures... We're going to start doing a lot more listener interactivity on the air. So we want to hear your emails. We want to hear your, your questions. If there's something you want us to talk about, uh, send it to us. You can email us at show at sexandsciencehour.com. Yeah, I love to interact with listeners. It's uh, it's one of the joys. I've, you know, in podcasting and, and radio in general, I've met so many great people that really has genuinely made it all worth it to do. I admit I have a little problem with keeping up with my email. Well, often. that's the thing. I can't always respond to them, but mm-hmm. I've met great people. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, you do meet cool people that way. So, you know, get in touch with us. The, the email address goes to both of us. So hopefully one of us will take action. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're very open, really non-judgmental kind of people. I think people will know that if they hear our other podcast, too. That, yeah, that's <laughs> For true. Sure. Okay, so Brian... You can no longer buy tobacco at CVS. Really? Yes. Okay, I I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I guess they announced this week that they are going to stop selling tobacco products. And the CEO said something like, it just feels really disingenuous to be selling all these heart medications and all these prescription <laughs> drugs and all these like medicines that sick people need, and then on the other hand, turning around and selling cigarettes to them. Okay, I think I'd heard about this, and it's like a nine-month plan. Like, I, they're not going to stop for like another nine months. Okay. So I well, guess, geez, if something's that bad, why don't you stop it right yeah, away? Yeah, <laughs> you should come on, cold turkey. This is it. You can't do right. cold turkey. Right. Not even a store can do cold turkey with They're cigarettes. They're going to need the gum or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess I have the two patch. thoughts on that. One is, is this might be the most clever marketing scheme I've ever heard, especially if it's going to take nine months for them to finally enact it. That means there's nine months where, you know, this, this is what's on the mind is CVS, you know, yeah, CVS won't sell cigarettes. I mean, and I don't smoke, you know, and so I guess that's why I say, I don't know how, I mean, and a business can can more or less choose what they want to sell. Are you saying they're doing this to like have a blowout on their cigarettes and they're going to, uh, I don't know if it's a blowout, a blowout but huh, huh, yeah, huh. maybe they're going to, maybe it's, especially if it's a nine months, maybe it's a test period to see if they get increased sales because of it. And if they don't, maybe they'll change their mind. What do you mean? Increased cigarette sales? No, increased sales and in, yeah, increased sales in general to see like if they're going to get the non-smoking crowd to start buying in. Oh, you know, like, so, yes, I'm going to shop here because so they are against like, smoke. All the do-gooders are going to shop there because they want the smokers to 
yeah not be able to buy cigarettes yeah so if they get an increase of sales and they'll they'll know which what it's from if it's from not buying cigarettes or it's from people buying cigarettes like crazy mm-hmm. while they're there uh one or the other is going to tell them how to act in nine months which uh, i mean that's pretty clever you know give them a couple quarters to figure things out that's plenty of time for a business to know it's you know next five-year model well that's an interesting way to put it i hadn't thought of it that way honestly mm. Yeah, I mean the, the the other thing too is that uh, I I I actually I kind of applaud you know their stance on health because I don't smoke because I care about my health. Uh, people can have differing opinions on that. That's how I feel about it. Mm. But if you're that concerned about health, are you going to get rid of the alcohol while you're at it? Do they sell alcohol there? I guess it depends on the state. Some states yeah. don't allow you to do Probably that. Depends but, on the uh, store too. I can say, you know, where I grew up in New you York, need their permission slip from the government, right? Yeah, I mean, in New York, you could buy alcohol at CVS. Gotcha. So, I mean, you know, and and I'm sure there's other states where that's possible. Yeah, are they going to stop selling Snickers bars too? I yeah, mean, I mean, they're, I, if they're going to get that kind of. Uh, nannying dare i say about yeah. what, about what people do with their and this is coming from a non-smoker too i don't smoke right. but you know if they're going to start making value judgments about what people should be doing with their health yeah how far do you how go? far do they go exactly right uh and i mean also cvs is known for selling a lot of uh, quote-unquote kooky tv products you know oh, whatever those yeah. may be i mean are the they going weight the shake weight oh boy you had I, a shake weight i bought a shake weight <laughs> what did you think of it <laughs> uh it just it didn't it didn't do the deed it didn't uh <laughs> what was the deed the, the deed well <clears throat> uh the deed was to to get you know bigger arm muscles of course and, uh-huh. and i think pectorals were a part of it too but it's you know the, the payoff wasn't there at least it wasn't fast enough they're making some pretty wild claims in in how it works and quite frankly i think my forearms could get just as big uh doing doing the natural shake weight uh-huh. so the natural wrist and forearms work out that's right the wrist and forearms so i Here, yeah there, there you have it ladies and gentlemen you don't need the shake weight you don't need the shake weight no. it doesn't i that's mean it's called a body weight workout there. yeah <laughs> <laughs> admittedly when the commercials were running okay yeah that was kind of like hokey and hot at the same time when the women were using shake weight and then when they came out with the shake weight for men oh uh, my god that, those that were was, so funny that, that was pretty funny I think that was genius of them for a marketing scheme oh i, think I don't so even too. know if they meant it that way but i'm pretty sure they did <laughs> i think so it started it was, on mtv it yeah. was definite innuendo there <laughs> yeah. even with the men and it was it was great i don't know whatever oh, i thought it was yeah. fine I was willing. I mean, I bought one. I was like, okay, yeah, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to support uh, creative, uh, thinly veiled sexual innuendo I, filled marketing, huh? I, I firmly agree. Like our show. Yes, no. <laughs> exactly. We're following the same uh, brilliant marketing ploy as the Shake Weight. Uh, <laughs> only thirty nine ninety nine, as seen it on TV. Uh, but anyway, with this cigarettes thing, you know, they are a private company, so of course they can do whatever they want, right? Yeah. Uh, but I'm pretty sure there are still some people who are going to, uh, really complain about this. Yeah. I feel like they've been unfairly targeted. Sure. But then they can go to Walgreens. I mean, that's, that's, you know, sure. Yeah. I think the same, I don't think this is going to help anyone quit smoking. Honestly, I think the same amount, the same people who were going to buy cigarettes are just going to buy them somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, look, not even Ayn Rand could come up with a good excuse for smoking and she was the queen of coming up with good excuses oh but it, it's the fire of the mind Brian. yeah yeah the it's the fire. eternal flame of the mind <laughs> i got an eternal flame <laughs> <laughs> well speaking of things that uh relate to your heart smoking is bad for your heart supposedly right sure and uh, <laughs> uh not supposedly it is bad for your heart but anyway well uh, some people would say it's all propaganda that's but right they would say that uh, <laughs> whatever <laughs> speaking of heart stuff there is a bitcoin wallet that you can unlock with your heartbeat did you hear about this i heard a little bit about this but i didn't know everything about it either way i'm scared why are you scared? Because this sounds like this sounds like it solves a really important problem in security, actually, which is like, you know, people say, well, if you can unlock something with your fingerprint, then someone's just going to chop off your finger. Right. Or if you can unlock something with your eyeball, someone's going to chop off your eyeball or or at least take a picture of your fingerprint or something like that or picture of your eyeball and use that. But with your heartbeat, I mean, your heart has to be beating to unlock it. So... Okay, so so is it running off of? I was under the impression it ran off of this unique 
pattern yes. sound of your heart. It does. It well, it actually runs off of your um, electric uh, readings that are generated by your heart. So it's a, it's basically an ECG. Okay. So because my concern was is that if in any way it's running off of the sound, and even this, I wonder. If, if this could be cheated somehow, because if you have smartphones that can literally hear the sounds of your computer that would reveal your PGP email key, mm-hmm. okay, from your smartphone that the FBI can use to listen to that, if you have your smartphone on you, they could record the sound, the unique, wonderful sound that your mm-hmm. heart makes, and then they could just replicate that and, you know, open up the wallet. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I mean, this is really forward thinking. But it's something so untested, I would not want to trust my wealth to it yet. It might be good as a two-factor thing. I see what you're saying, Brian, and I agree. I mean, if you can record a sound like a heartbeat or the sound of a PGP key being generated, which is terrifying. I mean, that's such a like unique little sound. I mean, when yeah. you think about what it takes to make a PGP key. Yeah, but if you can record that, you can also somehow record uh, someone's unique ecg signature right and somehow use a something some kind of device to generate a signature that's very similar to that yeah i mean and also you have i mean you have the fitbit you have uh nike fuel oh yeah this you is your thing these... about these biometric devices that are you know these, you need an app to make you healthier yeah right? but, but this <laughs> is my you point you need to wear this device to make you healthier right but this is my point is that i feel like all the signals that this wallet is going to use to to for security is already being recorded by 10 million devices that you're already probably you you might be wearing Mm. and and i i just i don't i don't this kind of security doesn't doesn't solve anything i think yeah well what we've seen with biometric security is that it is hackable and every every kind of biometric security gets hacked yeah every kind uh from the safe like I remember I was looking at a biometric safe that you can unlock with your fingerprint and the Amazon reviews were like, my 14 year old kid figured out how to open the safe within a day of us having it. Yeah. And there were guns in there and stuff like that. And they did it by just holding, like you can, you can make it basically dust the fingerprints or something like that, or you can hold up a mirror to it and it'll uh, rescan the fingerprint that was previously on there. So you have to wipe it off every time so you don't get the oils on there. And, oh, it just seems like a hassle. But what about what if you combine a biometric thing with like a password that only you know? Well, that might work. Like you said, I think two two factor authentication is is a good idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that would work. But my my whole concern with encryption in general is that it's really you know there, there's always escalation. Okay, because people will just take it to the next level. So what you really need, I mean, encryption's good to be an annoyance, be it to bad actors or to the NSA or GCHQ or whoever. Okay, you're never really going to like totally beat them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just good to give them a hard time. What really needs to happen is an absolute change of mind where people say, no, we don't need an NSA or no, you know, we don't need a GCHQ. Uh, we don't need to spy on people anymore. We don't, you know, everybody's human. We don't need to feel safer, blah, blah, blah. Right. That's really what happens to happen i agree with you and how can we make ourselves safe from creepy dudes on google plus oh boy (laughs) this is the biggest open secret on the internet it really is and that's why i wanted to talk about it on this show because nobody talks about this but if you ask if you ask around people will confirm that this is true yeah what i'm talking about is like on google plus okay it's a little known social network you know facebook's the giant twitter everybody goes on those and yeah, you get creepers on those sites. But what I'm talking about is like, there are so many strange men that message me on Google+. <laughs> and I don't want to turn off the chat feature because I do want to chat with my legit friends and do Google Hangouts. And I have conference calls and business deals and stuff on there. Oh, yeah. And Hangouts is taking over so much of even SMS on your phone. Yeah. I mean, so you, it, like you can't just you can't turn, really turn it, it off, off. really. Um, and I don't want to like not circle certain people cause then I'm kind of like discriminating and, uh, you know, I, but it's just weird. I get messages and, uh, well, you know, Google's not addressing this. No, they're okay, not. Go- that's the real, the real problem. Twitter had the same issue. Twitter tried to address it. Didn't really work. Like they put the, re- uh, abuse report button right on the tweet yeah. so that you could get to it quickly. Uh, go- this is really, this isn't. 
you know, this is the fault of Google. They they need to address this issue hmm. somehow, and they've yet to. And their Hangouts app, in my opinion, has always been a mess. It really kind of intrudes on your phone and stuff. It really gets in your face. Yeah, it gets in your face. It doesn't have... The delete options have gotten better just recently. Mm. Beforehand, they weren't. Uh, and, and then you just... You know, the other thing, too, is that Google Plus, in particular, is one of those sites that around the world is available. Google Plus is the only uh, social network that you can openly use in China. Okay? Because of wow, that... Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, be, because of that... Uh, you know, a lot of people don't, you know, this is their first experience with social media, and I don't think they know a lot of the etiquette and protocols that we have developed yeah, around the rest of the world. That's very possible. Honestly, like, I hate, I feel conflicted about saying this, but it's universally, it is Middle Eastern or Indian guys that sure. I get these messages from. Sure. And I just block them. You know, some of them are rather nice. Some of them just say hi a bunch of millions of times. Some of them say, nastier things like things that they would like to do with yeah they me, just come is, right out and yeah, say yeah and i never respond i you know i always just block them but it keeps happening so well again, I, I, blocking them doesn't seem like a solution you know what i mean no. like blocking each individual one that really doesn't seem like and i don't feel like giving them an etiquette lesson or anything no like google that, needs so. to come up with some kind of spam filter that's really what this is asking for just like with emails so it's it's not a new technology they're just being lazy and not putting it in mm. and you're not the only one like i said this is a huge this has been talked about on shows like twit where you know women have come right out women that were guests in the show and said yeah this is crazy and, and leo laporte said Said, you are absolutely brave for being a woman and going on Google Plus. So, sure, it, it, it's it's out there. Ladies, do you get this too? <laughs> Show at sexandsciencehour.com. I'm curious. I'm really curious. <laughs> and there is more coming up here on the show. Stay tuned. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to our new show. Yay. Yeah, I mean, you already love it, you know. Hopefully. Hopefully. But. If we're doing our job, they love it. And if you love it, it would be great if you could help us spread the word because it is a new show. So not too many people have heard the good word of Sex and Science Hour. You know, maybe you could go around and like knock on some doors and say that you have some good news for people. Yeah, you don't have to carry a book for this either, but maybe that would help in a white shirt and tie. And Yeah, you know, look presentable. Maybe you could carry around like a little tablet instead and yeah, help yeah. people subscribe to our podcast feed. Yeah, and just, you know, have you have you heard about Sex and Science Hour? That would be wonderful. So, yeah, if you could just go ahead and do that. Sunday morning is the ideal time to be doing this, and uh, we'd really appreciate it. Tell them to go to sexandsciencehour.com, and it's really for their eternal salvation. I mean, you're really doing people a favor by doing this. So. Or you could just share it on social media. Right, and we do appreciate it. Thank you so much. And now back to the show. yoo <laughs> Welcome back to Sex and Science Hour. It's my favorite hour. <laughs> my favorite hour, too. Or quickly becoming. So I mean, we've only done one show so far. So. Yeah, in fact, it hasn't even been an hour yet. No, it's yet. like two-thirds of a show. So there's God, I'm such a more, liar. more fun yet to come. <laughs> no, we're not. I have to thank Roll Music. That's the artist that makes these chiptunes that you're hearing as our music beds on the show. And chiptunes, of course, is this genre of very distinctive genre of music that you're yeah hearing. it's meant to replicate 8-bit music they usually use game boys to make it uh where they put in the special cartridge and it allows them to make these various tones or i'm sure they use software on their computer too that can just emulate all this sound. yeah you were telling me about how people make chip tunes and there's like there's a actual cartridge that you can plug into a mm -hmm. game boy yep lcdj and sometimes they do this like live in concerts they'll line up a bunch of game boys and yeah, they'll have a full-on concert. Does it only work on, like, older ones, or can you do it on, like... No, or you, are there still Game Boys? I don't even know. Oh, yeah, you, you can use it on... You can do it on newer ones, but they prefer the old Game Boys because they're a little more solid. You know, they're made in the in the 80s. Of course, and, they don't make them like they used to, right? In this case, sadly, they're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, the things people do when they're not eating, huh? When they're not eating. Yeah, I don't know if they... If they you know, get a little stage fright so they don't want to eat. That way they don't puke before they do it. But I don't know, maybe they should do intermittent fasting. Exactly. And that's what we're <laughs> about to talk about. So, uh, Brian, I've been reading a book called Eat, Stop, Eat, and it's about something called intermittent fasting, which is this, this idea that you can go, I mean, well, humans can go weeks without food. 
or right. months without food. Not right. not without water. You yeah, you have drink, to drink. Get a drink every, you know, at least, you, you really can't go more than a couple days without water before you start to, you know, keel over and die. Right. Uh, <laughs> but without food, you can last quite a while. And there seems to be this idea, like in modern culture, where you like you got to eat every three hours, right? You, if it's if you've had breakfast at ten o'clock and it's twelve o'clock, you're starving for lunch, right? Right. And really, it's probably like if you look at actual human physiology, it's probably more uh, social cues and the expectation that there's going to be another meal that makes us hungry than actual hunger. Like when you feel hungry, most of the time, your body is not lacking nutrients or calories it's more just that you you are getting these environmental cues that tell you to expect a meal well it's lunchtime i'm supposed to be hungry yeah sure or you're seeing commercials constantly just like you know hitting you with eat 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 you know food 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 uh (laughs) you know i mean (laughs) yeah it can be really bad out there like with with the advertisements and stuff people see uh, hundreds of ads a day and a lot of them are for food and it's hard to when you when you see food you want to eat you know it's kind of hard to look at food and not get hungry or at least think you're hungry right um and this, this is kind of like what this book was saying that you know it's okay you're not going to die if you go a day or two or three without eating yeah. and this is something that i've kind of been experimenting with i, I read uh, martin birkin's blog lean gains and um i heard about this book eat stop eat and i've i kind of follow the paleo uh, nutritional scene and I've uh, been into fitness and bodybuilding and stuff. And so I'm, I kind of keep up with this stuff. Sure. And same here. I've been kind of experimenting with intermittent fasting for uh, several years now. Actually, I had a period of time where I only ate once a day and it, I just ate a big dinner and that was it. And, you know, it worked out pretty well for me uh, at the time I was working outside of the home. I have since made a career change, but at the time I was working at a workplace and it was actually really helpful because I didn't have to worry about breaking for lunch or eating breakfast. I could just get up and go. And then when my day was over, had a nice big dinner and relaxed and did it all again the next day. Uh, I did kind of get hungry if I couldn't eat my big dinner right when I wanted to though, like after 24 hours, I would get a little, little hungry. But, um, so I kind of, I kind of adjusted that. And then I started doing kind of two meals a day. Well, you kind of, your body made its own clock of when it wanted to eat and not, it wasn't, and it's important to, you know, to make the distinction that you're, you know, you weren't necessarily hungry, just your body got used to eating that big dinner every night. Yeah, exactly. And it's really kind of freeing to realize that you, if you don't eat, you're not going to die. You know, nothing's, nothing's going to happen to you. Oh yeah. You I, I recently, eating. yeah, I, I did this for over, over 48 hours, mm-hmm. uh, just recently. And that was probably like a short fast to a hunter gatherer where we're, we're evolved from, right? We've got these hunter gatherer genetics that we had for, you know, living like that for millions of years. And, just recently was it that we started to have a breakfast, lunch, and dinner? You know? Yeah, we're only ten to 6,000 years removed, as best we know, mm. from that. So that's not enough time for evolution to really take a, take a new course where we need three meals a day. Yeah. I was just surprised at how uh, productive I was. I tried this recently this week. I, I did a day of fasting, and I hadn't done that in a while, and it felt really good, actually. I, I did yeah. feel a little bit hungry, but it wasn't so bad that I couldn't concentrate on other things. And I actually ended up getting a ton done. I actually did some work for the show to get ready for it. <laughs> I got I got a lot of other stuff done, too. And I just thought it was kind of cool. So figured we'd bring it up on the show. Yeah, supposedly you can make your metabolism work a little faster. I don't know. I'll admit that like this, the second day late at night, I started to get kind of a headache. Yeah. Uh, but other than that. You know, maybe if I did it more often, maybe I wouldn't get that headache. I don't know. So it's interesting. You know, there's this guy, Rob Wolf. He's big in the paleo community. And he actually did a reality TV show or something where he went out into the woods and he wasn't going to eat unless he could hunt food. Mm. And he was camping with some friends or something like that. And it took him like four days to hunt an animal and be able to eat it. And he said, like he he like cried when he for, when he killed the animal because it was so he had no idea when he was going to be able to eat, and it was four days, and he was super yeah, hungry. Yeah, such a powerful moment. Yeah, uh, so I I just thought that was uh, really interesting, and that was probably a pretty common experience back in the day. Yeah, right? I mean, you think they would have been a little bit better at it, but uh, but mm-hmm. by and large, still common, I would assume. 
Yeah. Anyway, so speaking of evolution, there's been an article that came out this week called 22 Messages from Creationists to Evolutionists. All right, wait a minute. <laughs> Creationists will tell you that we were never hunter-gatherers. Oh, right, silly me. We were fruitinarians man, man first. didn't come with from monkeys, Right, we were fruitinarians, right? and then as soon as we got kicked out of Eden, we were tilling the soil. <laughs> right. So that, that just didn't happen. Too bad there's a lot of evidence that that's not what <laughs> happened. Uh, <laughs> but uh, apparently there was a debate between Bill Nye, the science guy, and uh, Ken Ham, who is like a... He, you know Ken Ham, right? I didn't I, know who yeah, he was. Yeah, I do know Ken Ham. And uh, me speaking as, as a staunch atheist, uh, the guy's brilliant. Okay. You know, and we, he's, which, a, he's a Christian apologist? Yeah, okay. he, he's a... Exactly. He runs a group called Answers in Genesis, which is... Answers in Genesis. Right, which mm. they're trying to scientifically prove that evolution didn't occur. Of course, what they're really doing is just poking holes. But I'll admit, poking those holes is really important. Okay? I think it can be helpful, you know, because it shows the... it It shows... You know, maybe the, some weak points or things that people have trouble believing anyway. Sure, I when mean, they because hear about evolution, sure. Right, I mean, with science, we we don't even run off of Newton's uh, gravity gravitic theories anymore. Uh, you know, we have new ones, and but if we just said, well, we're not going to question science, we're not going to question Newton's gravity here. Uh, you know, we would have never gotten to the point probably where we're launching things into space. Sure, yeah, and I think it's. I think it's helpful to hear from people who have challenges, but it's also it also can be kind of funny when they oh, just I, completely to, just don't get it. Like, yeah. Okay, so this article that uh, that came out, it's people that are making memes of themselves. They're like, take a picture of themselves, and they're holding up a sign <laughs> that tells you why they, you know, are skeptics so called of evolution, right? Yeah. Uh, so one of them says. If man came from monkeys, why are there still monkeys? Oh, boy. It's supposed to be like this logical hammer, but it's just well, not. you know, like- but, okay, <laughs> granted it's not, but one of the things that a lot of people will bring up is the coelacanth, which is What's a fish. A coelacanth? a coelacanth is a fish mm-hmm. that looks like it has real arms, mm-hmm. okay, or legs. Whatever. It looks like it has limbs of some kind. Yep. And so... You know, we, we have fossil evidence of the coelacanth and we and, and evolutionists all agree this thing's, you know, millions of years old. The problem is a, a few decades ago, they found more coelacanth and they haven't changed at all. Mm. So, you know, creationists like Ken Ham would come out and say, wait a minute, if things are evolving all the time, why is this still here? This doesn't make any sense. Now, of course, the answer to if that... If God created all the animals, then why are there extinct animal bones in the ground? <laughs> well, that's the thing, is that they... See, these are the holes that they poke in, is they say, well, look, if something... If you took a fossil, if you put it in saline solution, mm-hmm. okay, uh, a la salt water, a la the ocean, the dates on it are totally screwed up, you know? Yeah, because salt water interferes with the carbon dating, right? Exactly. Um, and also, I mean, you have other cases too, like Mount St. Helens, where there was, uh, you know, tree nurseries around that, uh, that essentially you knew the trees were only two years old, but when the ash from the volcano went over the trees, you know, and, 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 you know, and solidified it, it, you said that, uh, you know, and you dated the tree, it would say that the tree was thousands or or millions of years old when you know it wasn't, Mm. you have absolute proof. So, so these holes are interesting to poke in. I, I, I think, you know, now I I believe, I firmly believe in evolution that it occurred. It's a, it's a fact of life. Sure. But these are interesting. It is always good to question everything and to like examine points of weakness in the evidence or whatever. Yeah. But it's also important to remember that like, poking holes in a theory that's like generally solid doesn't prove doesn't your disprove. other theory yeah right you need evidence to support the other <laughs> the other theory right yeah exactly because i mean all all of those holes pale in comparison to proving that there's a god sure yeah <laughs> that, that's the ultimate hole i mean <laughs> yeah it's like okay fine evolution didn't occur how did it happen oh by god you want to give me the the there's the a meme for that i'm just looking at a meme here that says how do you explain a sunset if there, T-H-E-I-R, is no God? Oh, boy. So How do you explain a sunset if there is no God? So what, did they just spell it wrong? Yeah. That, that's, see, that's kind of a cheap shot. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you know, maybe. some people just can't sure. spell, you know? But, it's true. I'm sure there are lots of atheists who can't spell. That's totally true. Yeah. But how do you explain a sunset? 
easily. Yeah. <laughs> it's the rising of the earth. Yeah, exactly. It's spinning. <laughs> you know. It doesn't make any sense. This thing just comes out of nowhere. <laughs> what is that? Is that how do we even know that's called a sun? I don't know what's real. I like this one here. It says, I believe in the Big Bang Theory. God said it and bang, it happened. Well, you see, okay, but here's something creationists have too. Because you have the Higgs boson, okay? You have mm-hmm. you have the you know the, the the God particle, which is very terribly named. But how what they say how the God particle, which is you know how everything started, how the Big Bang occurred, all this business, how it started was a collision of light and sound. And so a lot of Christians will say, see, it says God said, "Let there be light." Mm-hmm. So God was saying, speaking sound, mm-hmm. and then light came in, and that created the universe. And so a it lot of people, fits. How convenient. Yeah, a lot of people would say that, but you know, they're not, I mean, that's an oversimplification of science. Always adapt it after right. the fact. It's an oversimplification. It whatever you want. <laughs> sure. It's an oversimplification, but hey, it, it's halfway right. Well, like one of the memes actually said uh, something like, can you believe in the Big Bang Theory without faith? And actually, you know, that's, that's not a terrible point. No, it's not because that's because, being like, questioned. Because most people don't understand how the 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 scientific theory behind right. the Big Bang theory or whatever. They're just kind of like, well, that makes more sense than God. So yeah, yeah. And I mean, there's a couple theories out now that are not the Big Bang. They're alternative to the Big Bang by yeah. respected scientists that I I read them and I go, yeah, I'm open to that. Right, and like that's kind of the point of science is being open to d- disproving things that can be disproven. Right, right. like, but. A lot of things, you know, if, if somebody says, well, God did it, that's, it's hard to, you know. Extraordinary if, claims this is require how I, extraordinary This is how evidence. I feel. You can't disprove that, right? If you say, I feel that God did this, okay, you can't falsify that. You can't disprove that, right? No, right. That but doesn't then it's really not fall science. under the realm of science. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, here's, here's an interesting one. What purpose do you think we are here for if you do not believe in salvation? Well, of course, maybe there is no purpose. You know, there doesn't have to be a purpose. Yeah, right. I mean, that that's 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 really it. I mean, that, that's and, a, and you wanting there to be a purpose doesn't make God true either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, the purpose in life, you know, I mean, humans are a very different form of life. I mean, your purpose is to, you know, one could say for the other 99% of life on the planet, their purpose is to, you know, act on their instincts. Okay, they don't have choice. Mm hmm. They act on their instincts. Well, speaking of acting on instincts, we're short on time, but I want—I really wanted to squeeze this in because it's actually really funny. So oh this is a good note to end on. Um, there, There's a Bitcoin exchange, Mt. Gox, uh, and a lot of people are upset with them because they've had some issues with processing their customers' withdrawals to the point where people are, you know, there's been rumors for six months that they're insolvent. Yeah. First, they had trouble with dollar withdrawals or fiat currency withdrawals. And, you know, they claimed it's regulatory issues. Okay, fine. You can believe that. Now they're having trouble with Bitcoin withdrawals. And I guess there was a guy who decided to actually, like, he's from Australia. He decided to actually go to the Mt. Gox headquarters and just stay there until he was able to talk to the CEO. (laughs) And he did, like, a little protest. He was standing outside holding a sign that says these these people ripped me off or something like that. And he said the employees were inviting him in for lunch and giving him, <laughs> giving him beer and sandwiches. I was just going to ask how that worked out for him, but it looks like it worked out pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he, he posted this post on Reddit. It's totally hilarious. We'll link to it in the show notes. It seems legit because, the, you know, it could be completely made up, but he claimed that he went to a local Bitcoin meetup, like that he ran into somebody uh, nearby that invited him to a Bitcoin meetup. Good thing and he didn't get arrested. There were a couple people. Oh yeah, there were a couple people at the meetup who posted on this Reddit thread and said, "Yeah, I saw him at the meetup. He was definitely there." <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. So it's so it's all true. This whole story. Well, you know, it's it could be fake, but it it's damn entertaining. I'll have to say that much. Uh, so like this guy confronted uh, one of the higher ups at Mount Gox and he confronted the CEO of Mount Gox, Mark Carpellis. And he said he, he was asking questions, uh, you know, like what is causing these withdrawal delays? My Bitcoins are stuck in the exchange. He sounded very polite. And the guy was responding with just these politician 
answers. It's a technical problem. Uh, well, okay, what's the technical problem? We can't talk about that for security reasons. Okay, well, try, you know, just try to explain it to no, <laughs> First, they said, well, we can't explain that to you. It's very technical. Okay, well, try to explain it to me. Well, we can't for security reasons, you know, so it just kept the goalpost uh, kept, switch. kept kind of <laughs> shifting. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they kept denying that it was any kind of liquidity problem, but uh, man, it was... Uh, it was a kind of a comedic thing. Did of course, he, it's not funny for the people who have money stuck in that exchange. Well, that's my question. Did this guy get what he wanted? No. he. Uh, they, uh, <laughs> when he was standing outside their offices, uh, one of the uh, employees uh, said, good news, we've sorted out your account. Go and check it. So the guy goes back to his hotel room. He drops the protest for a minute, goes back to his hotel room and checks his account. And they hadn't sorted it out. They just uh, moved his bitcoins from being in transit uh, stuck in transit to <laughs> to back into his account in Mount Gox, and he couldn't get them out of Mount Gox, and that was the original problem. So the the problem wasn't solved. I I've seen this time and time again in the finance industry, where when people start talking like this and pulling tricks like that, uh, it sounds like Lehman Brothers. Doesn't yeah, it? it's like Lehman Brothers. It's like a whole slew of things where someone's about to go out of business. Yeah, well, and they've been losing. I mean, this this exchange has been losing volume for a long time. I thought they were going to take Litecoin. That would have been huge. <laughs> that was just a rumor in the troll box on BTCE. I'm afraid. I, I thought they sent out like out an email, didn't they? No. Uh they. I, I, I could be they, wrong. I think That's they fine. tweeted it or something, maybe. But yeah, they've got other things. I think to deal that could have changed everything. But. Okay, Brian, don't well, stop I, believing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't like them. I mean, they, they've been uh, Gox is a mess. Yeah, uh, but I mean, it's a good, it's a good kind of uh, lesson, you know. And the squeaky wheel does get some grease. I, I think it's an interesting, um, an interesting use of the protest medium, if you will. You know, people say protesting doesn't do anything. But in this case, it, it kind of did. You yeah. know, he's, he's drawing a lot of attention to this. And actually, like a day after he this guy uh, started the protest, they issued a statement saying, look, we've got this problem. Here's what's going on. And they, they of course, they didn't really address it, but they at least made a statement. So, you know, baby steps, small steps to big change, all that. Right. Yeah, I, I think they're just going to go out. Uh, and I only hope they don't go out. They don't take the money and run. Uh, you know, that that's it my concern. There. Well, that that's the thing is this could all be, you know, kind of Ponzi, pyramid, whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, some kind of scheme. Yeah. There are lots of other places where you can uh, trade Bitcoins, though. So, it, you know, it used to be that this was the, the biggest Bitcoin exchange. Sure. This was like the only game in town if you wanted to trade Bitcoins. But that is not true. More options are opening up every single day. And, uh, of course, there are always the decentralized options, but just don't get caught. Yeah, you know, keep, just, keep as much control of your money as you can. Don't sell your bitcoins to federal agents. And yeah. Stay safe out there. This is going to do it for us this week. Email us, show at sexandsciencehour.com. Please email us. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Look, if they don't email us, we're just going to have to talk about what we want to talk about, and I don't even know what I want to talk about. Would that be so tragic? No, not really. <laughs> okay, see you next week. You've just heard Sex and Science Hour. You can connect with us at sexandsciencehour.com. Game over. Play again next week.